0: Lord, uh, thank you for today. We love you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to come together in fellowship and community. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, that we can put aside all things different and have all things common in Christ this morning. Lord, I pray that you would um, help us this morning. Uh, God, parenting is such a difficult thing. And Lord, I pray that you would, uh, your spirit would guide us this morning as we study these verses for a little bit more. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. So I was thinking this morning on the way in that... Uh, Teaching a lesson on parenting is almost kind of like teaching a lesson on humility. Somebody else needs to do it, you know. Um, parenting is a very difficult thing. And, um, and so we're going to study this morning. Parenting, we're going to study this morning, and then we're going to study about provoking your kids next Sunday. And so and then after that, I've asked, what's that? Is it pointers? It's more like reflection what not to do, despite what it is. And uh, and then I've asked Darren uh, the Sunday after that, um, and so obviously my kids are younger, and uh, but Darren's kids, uh, you know, Matt is up there singing and leading so often, and uh, his kids and grandkids are here in the church, and so I've asked him if he could in uh, in next two weeks if he can kind of give us some parenting reflections as well as about teaching, you know, kids and older kids and young adults uh, when they grow, and so that'll be in two Sundays. So let's get started this morning. Uh, as a reminder. Um, one might quickly look at this lesson and say, well, I don't have kids. Or we could say, well, my kids are grown. Or we could say that, you know, we're not, we want to be parents, but we're not parents yet. Uh, I would remind you that we, are, we live in a gospel community, and we need to think more broadly than just if there's a direct application to me. Uh, can these truths help me in working with children in a ministry, whether it's an a want-to ministry on Wednesday night, uh, whether it is I work and I teach children? Um, can these verses help me as I interact with parents? In my ministry, can I use these verses as an encouragement to someone in a discipleship group? So we need to think more broadly than just does it directly relate to me as I pick up my kids this this afternoon from Power Hour after church. In Ephesians six verses one through four, we read this last week. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the uh, in the land. I was. As I was studying last week, I saw that once again, Paul, as he's writing to one group of people, he also writes very similarly to another group of people. And so they weren't, you know, he wasn't posting blogs, so the people in Colossae didn't necessarily know that he had given this to the church in Ephesus. And so in a very similar thought, he wrote to the church to the Christians in Colossae, and he said, Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. That's pretty specific everything. For this pleases the Lord. And then we see again what he, ta- he says in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And so when we think about what he t- says in Colossians, what is the danger in using the word everything? So broad. Very Broad. Could there be a tendency to abuse one's power and authority? Very much so. And so we realize that even though that there's a command at children, we also realize that there is very strong responsibility that comes to us as, as authority figures, as parents, um, because we have to be very careful that we don't hijack that word everything, thus provoking our children to wrath. And more on that next week. And so, where did we, uh, we, we talked about this last week, where do we foresee this command? This is not a new command. Children, obey your parents comes from Ten Commandments. Ten commandments. And uh, we, again, we, we looked at these are our horizontal commandments towards God. These are vertical uh, commandments towards man. And this is the very first horizontal command. The very first command God gives towards loving others is honoring your parents. And ironically, it's also the very first command with a promise. Uh, he didn't say don't worship other gods. There's a promise. But he did say honor your parents, and there is a promise that does come with that. Um, and how do we talk last week about distinguishing obey and honor? It's interesting, the Old Testament only says honor, at least in, in the Ten Commandments, but there's a distinguishing part between obeying and honor. And there we, we kind of loosely discussed this last week. The heart and the spirit, won't you do it? Or? One being obligatory and one being respectful. Reverend. Good, reverend? Action versus attitude. Action versus attitude, one being outward, one being inward. Okay, because someone can obey outwardly but have a horrible attitude internally. Um, and, and we do know that Christ puts a tremendous emphasis on the heart. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's a lot where if we have it on the outside altogether, but Christ specifically often talked about the heart uh, when he was talking and he, when he was teaching. Um, and we there were so many good answers with this last week. What is Why is it important that children learn to obey? There were a lot of really great answers y'all gave last week. Hopefully y'all can remember what y'all gave last week. What's that? Okay, because there's a God will orientation that we're trying to direct them to. What else? Okay, because those that don't obey their children also don't obey... Other authority figures. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I felt like there was like four or five really good ones. Those two were really good, though. Two really good. Those were just so good. They were good. They were good. They were good. Um, as parents, we want our children to be blessed. Okay, we want them to, uh, to for God to bless their life and not have anything that disrupts that. So I want to I want to look at a couple more questions this week. Um, and specifically, what should be our target uh, when we're parenting what is our responsibility as parents and grandparents in a gospel community, as an authority? Um, and then in what area should we be modeling obedience to our children? And that, folks, is – that kind of hits us a bit harder because it's easier when we tell our children to obey, but then all of a sudden we realize our responsibility in that. There's a whole another ball of wax that comes with that. Um, and then next week we're going to look at that uh, – the other question that comes with that. So do you remember when you were younger and you – Walked in the store and you saw the child throwing a temper tantrum and you said, One day when I become a parent, that'll never be me. You know? We have we have all the answers. As a matter of fact, those people probably don't even know how to parent. Matter of fact, I should probably go tell them how to parent. You know? I don't understand why they haven't asked me to give a seminar yet to to, to parents on I mean I mean I think we're never a better parent. And then God gave you children. kids. <laughs> yeah. And then God gave just you kids, it. right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I'm pretty sure at some point in time, this has been all this, maybe not to this extreme, but, you know, we, I remember there have been plenty of times my mom just parked the cart and took me outside. <laughs> or at least she told me, I, I blocked it out, you know, mental trauma, I completely blocked it out. Yes. Um, but at the same time, we can become so embarrassed with how our children act in public and how they behave, that in many cases, you know what? You want a candy bar? I'll just get you a candy bar. Okay? Um, well, obviously, no, but that's the child's thought. If I can make a big enough scene, uh, they're great at, at manipulating, super great at manipulating. But if we are not careful, we can become so in, more concerned about how they behave on the outside. So, and I would like to give a word of caution. As we start this morning's lesson, in our haste to remedy a quick solution, we could easily become more concerned with the behavior than the root cause of the behavior. I work with um, kids, you know, being an elementary principal, I work with kids all week. And if I'm not careful, I can easily teach kids how to become really good at hiding the sin. Mm-hmm. For example, I know this kid's lying to me because he won't look at me in the eye. Okay, And it's not because the kid's like an ADHD and a squirrel. Like I could tell the kid. You can you read someone's body, especially a child. You could read that they're not telling the truth. And if I'm not careful, I could say, I know you're lying to me because you're not looking at me. And that clever little sinner will say, you know how I'm going to figure it out next time? I'm going to learn to look him straight in the eye. Um, or, I know you're lying to me because you keep changing your story. So that means next time when I get caught in a lie, I'm gonna stick to my story. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dealing with a couple issues of cheating this week. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, don't you know if you just miss one or two, it wouldn't even look like cheating. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Seriously, if you're going to cheat, be smart about it. And I didn't tell them that. I didn't tell them that. I didn't tell them that. But I thought it. And Oh oops, yes. I've got Logan back there too. Hey man. Yep, yep. So Parents Yes. I learned some great stuff listening to Mr. Warren in class today. Parents often get sidetracked with behavior. And this comes from Ted Tripp's book on shepherding a child's heart. Super great book. Parents often get sidetracked with behavior. If your goal in discipline is changing behavior, is it is easy to understand why this happens because we just we want we want the outward behavior to stop okay and we're going to do whatever we have to do to just stop the outward behavior the thing that alerts you to your child's need for correction is this behavior behavior irritates and thus calls attention to itself behavior becomes your focus you think you have corrected when you have simply changed unacceptable behavior to behavior that you sanction and appreciate. In other words, we're teaching them how to be better manipulators of their sinful character. If our focus in parenting is to change their behavior, they're just just going to take that sin nature and hide it deeper and deeper and deeper, and they're going to also become better at manipulating their outward behavior. So when we're we're looking at disciplining, our focus cannot be their behavior. There is something else that we need to address, and that would be what? Their heart their heart. Proverbs speaks of this many, many times. Um, Proverbs four twenty three. keep your heart. Some translations use the word guard, like a sentinel, kind of like where it says, Lord, set a watch over my mouth, okay, because I know I have a tendency to say something stupid, okay? He says you need to guard your heart. You need to set a watch over your heart because he says, with all vigilance, because from it flow the issues of life. Um, I've got a cup over here. It's kind of empty. Um, and I was reading, and I'll, I'll share the book with you in just a minute. But I was, the, the author gave just a tremendous, tremendous object lesson. And he says, if I put water in this cup and I just start shaking it wildly, why did the water splash out? That's only partially true. The reason why it is more true is because there's water in the cup in the first place. And he describes it this way, because there's water in the cup in the first place, if we put, could put something else in there, we can put coffee in it, we can put milk in it, we could shake it as hard as we can, as long as we can, and water will never come from out of it, because what is in here comes out. Amy Carmichael said, a cup full of kindness can never spill bitterness, no matter mm. how hard it's jostled. Mm. So that's the same lesson. Right? Absolutely. How, how often is it that someone gets irritated or agitated and sin just comes out and they're like, well, I don't know where that came from. It's because that's what is in the cup. That's what's in the heart. And so we realize that there is a huge responsibility for us as parents to being spirit filled. That if we are more full of the spirit than we are of sin, and we could apply this to any situation, even non-parenting related, um, that is the measure of what we have inside of us. What we have fed that day, the old man, the new man, that we have inside of us. Mark chapter 7, because from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexually immoral, uh, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, sl- slander, evil, pride, the whole gambit. It's out of the heart come the issues of life. And the reason why Christ spent so much time talking about the heart was because they were so consumed with keeping the law. How do I look on the outside? And Jesus said, No, no, no. We've got it, there's a heart problem. Because out of the heart is where these issues come from. Luke 6. The good person, <clears throat> the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Trash in, trash out. <laughs> What we allow to influence us, what we allow to influence our children. Our pastor in Durham, I'll never forget the quote. He said, the heart of your child is a blank book, and if you don't write in it, someone else will. And as a parent, we need to see every opportunity we can to pour into our children, focusing them towards a Godward Godward conscience, a God conscience, and also a God submission. Mm -hmm. And that also comes from that book. We read again in Proverbs, my son, give me your heart. The problem, the heart is naturally sinful. Our chief aim is that they have a new heart that desires to do right. I, I want them to stop lying. Okay, well, they might stop lying. Does that change the heart problem that they have? Can you give enough consequences? Can you leverage enough punishment that they stop doing it? Maybe. But you realize where he keeps saying, my son, give me your heart. One day, that's all that you can, that one day, that's all that you'll be able to have or not have. They're going to get bigger than you. They're going to get more independent than you. They're going to have their own agenda. One of these days, the heart is the only thing that you might or might not have with your child. And over and over again, I believe it six times, and I might have it on another slide. Yeah, he does. Our goal in parenting is to point our children towards a Godward orientation. Um, Over and over again, I believe it was 13 different times, 13 different times, the author of Proverbs says, my son, my son. Appealing to him over and over and over again. Realize that Proverbs was not written to a toddler, it was written to either a teenager or a young adult or even an older adult. <laughs> Going back to Ephesians six, we as grandparents, oh, well, parents, <laughs> grandparents, um, teachers, those who work with kids, we can become so dedicated towards the action of obedience that we overlook the reality that we are not the ultimate authority in their lives. We're not. Our responsibility is to point them towards what Tripp calls a Godward orientation and also and ultimately towards the gospel. You know, we uh, pastor last Sunday spoke from James four and, and the, me- the title of the message was Christ authority in Samaria. Our desire as parents should be for them to see far more broadly than lying is wrong. You should have obeyed whatever it is. Every chance we get, our focus, our goal should be to point them towards God and ultimately towards Christ's authority. Um, As as our kids get older, I got this idea from my father-in-law. I I, I try to text them sometimes in the morning with the devotion that I read that morning, You know, two, three days a week. Before he's up, before Zach's up, I'll email Ella uh, because I want them to to be constantly thinking about this God-word conscience, this God-conscience over and over again. And and in the explanation of behavior, we tell them, one day you're not going to live in our home. One day you're not going to live in our home. And, uh, you know, the grocery bill will be down, the utility bill will be down, the house will always be clean. Um, but, but, uh, but we realize that ultimately one day they're not going to have a mom and a dad as their authority. And our prayer is that they only see us as a proxy and we keep pointing them towards Christ's in his sovereign authority over their lives constantly. Paul said something similar. In Proverbs 23, 26, we we read Proverbs 23, 26. We've already read where he said, my son, give me your heart. And what then he follows up with is he says, let your eyes observe my ways. That part should be very convicting for us. It's really easy for me to tell you what you did wrong. It's really easy for me to tell you what you should do. But often my own sinful heart deceives me and blinds me from what I'm doing wrong. Paul said very often, he says, follow me as I Follow Christ. Hey, we should be the first to admit our humanity and our sinful nature and say, I completely goofed. I sinned. I did wrong. I provoked you, and I'm sorry. I could have said that more kindly. I could have been more gracious. Um, I shouldn't have. We can fill in the blank. I shouldn't have broke the spoon because I was mad. Personal example. Um, we, we need to, just being real, okay, just being honest with you. Um, it's very difficult for our, t- our children to tell our children, observe my ways when we know that we're not being what we ought to be doing. You know, recently I began journaling in church last summer, and I don't necessarily think there's anything extra spiritual about it. Um, But I I want my kids to see me. It's not just that dad is looking. I could take notes on my iPad. I could, and I could know in myself that I know that I'm taking notes. But I want to be so intentional, even in just sitting in church, that my kids see me journaling. Dad is paying attention. Uh, And again, I don't think there's anything extra spiritual about it. It's just something I decided to start doing where I want my children to observe my ways. I want you to be paying attention. I want you to be listening. And, of course, that can be applied to many, many, many different areas. And we could ask the honest question, how are we modeling our Heavenly Father? And I'll be honest with you. I am often more like my children than I am like my father. If we can just be honest with our humanity, our, our short temper, um, our, our frustration – Have you ever had these sanctifying moments where you're just listening, you're just like getting to your kid? How many times do I have to tell you? I've told you three times, and you won't do it. I mean, I can't explain it to you any sooner. And then the Holy Spirit is in the corner, and you can just kind of see him and saying, yeah, how about that? I can't tell you how many Spirit-filled lessons I have learned in parenting where I just have to stop and walk away. And I'm like, yep, I'm more like my kids than I am my Heavenly Father. I feel personally attached. (laughs) <laughs> oh. I tell you right now, man, I felt attacked doing this. I felt attacked studying this. How are we doing in our parenting? And this obviously goes far beyond our parenting, although that's the lens of what we're looking at. How authentically can we tell our children, observe what I'm doing today? And and again, and there are so many ways that we could apply that personally, individually. Um in a book called Grace Based Parenting, written by uh, Kimmel, he says. How we view God determines how we often parent our children. Do we view God as an authoritative, autocratic, and is that then in turn how we parent our children? Do we see God as a loving God, a gracious God, who despite our ridiculous nature, He gives me a new day today. He doesn't beat me up over yesterday. And so in the morning, I could treat my child with grace. I can forgive the comment that was said, I can overlook, I can be gracious convicting stuff I want to kind of share with you for those who like to take pictures these are some of the books that my wife and I have read that have helped us the most um, the The book I, I mentioned earlier is Ted Tripp's book on shepherding a child's heart and I feel like this year instead of me reading a whole bunch of new books I think I need to go and revisit my shelf <laughs> and, uh, and read some books I've previously <laughs> read and, and I'll share that uh, here again in just a minute why um, our, my my in-law shared with us Gary Thomas's book on devotions for sacred Parenting. Uh, probably one of the Most real, authentic You know, you have some authors, it's like I've written about everything Else, but I need to be obligatory in writing A book about children because that's the only thing I haven't written about. And you really kind of walk away It kind of seems kind of stale um, This That is not one of those books Kerry uh, Schmidt, we wrote, uh, we studied His book on what is the book called? Passionate parenting yeah, Um. um off script. We studied his book off script about two years ago. And that's the, that's the same guy talking about finding joy in parenting teens. Got to reread that one. Um, <laughs> I mentioned grace-based parenting a moment ago. Uh, my wife and I have read the book, uh, your teenager is not crazy, probably two or three times in the last, in the last two years. And, uh, the, the book that I would like to kind of Close class with the last 15, uh, about last 10, 15 minutes is a different book uh, called Parenting. Uh, not to be confused with Ted Tripp, it's his brother, Paul Tripp, uh, that we've uh, we've looked at. And I would like to kind of take the last part of class talking about the mindset of parenting, the mindset of parenting, uh, what he calls ownership parenting versus ambassador parenting. Now, I'll be honest with you, then we have, well, then there's the disengaged parent, the parent that never signs a folder, <laughs> the parent that never, you know, that that never helps their kid, that, you know, they come, you know. We're, we're not talking about that. Uh, talking about ownership parenting versus ambassador parenting. Uh, can we agree that parenting is hard? Mm-hmm. Mercy. Uh, Joanna describes it this way. When kids are young, it's physically exhausting. And then when they're teenagers, it's emotionally exhausting. Yes. And then that, because we're getting older, that then makes us physically exhausted too. It's like a double whammy. <laughs> so, um, you know, probably one of the most difficult parts of parenting is that they have a sinner who is their parent. I'll just be straight honest with you. The biggest problem with parenting kids is the sinful parent that's supposed to parent them. What he calls ownership parenting, the mindset of an ownership parent. These children belong to me so I could parent them in the way I see fit. Though not overly selfish or abusive, It affects thinking and motivation in small, seemingly insignificant ways. It is shaped by a vision of what we want to see in them. Because of our busyness, we lose sight of what parenting is truly about. The mindset makes quick, short-sighted decisions in in the mundane. Moments that seem so small and insignificant that the people in the middle of them are often unaware of the movement that has taken place. It is driven by a vision of what we want our children to be and what we want our children to give us in return. Oh, it gets better. better. <laughs> he calls ambassador-parenting a different mindset. An ambassador-parent is the one who keeps his – think about the idea of an ambassador. An ambassador is someone who keeps his job by faithfully representing the message, method, and character of the leader who sent him. Everything he does, every decision he makes, and every interaction he has must be shaped by one decision. What is the will and the plan of the person that sent me? He does not represent his own interest, his own perspective, or his own power. He does everything. This this hit hard. He does does everything as an ambassador and realizes he's probably not going to have that position for very long. Yeah, one day the house is going to be clean, but they're not going to be home. It's going to be very quiet. The grocery bill is going to be down. It's because no kids are going to be there. It's a temporary position. There's a fundamental difference between the two of these. Ownership parenting is guided by the parent, whereas an ambassador mindset is guided by the one who chose him as an ambassador. As I sit uh, often with a struggling parent in my office, I tell parents, I'm not making any judgments. I've got four kids. I'm not making any you know, judgment statements in this meeting. I'm just telling you, know, this, you know, this is what happened, and we're going to love your kid through it, and you know, if I can be a help to you, we're going to pray together. Here's some things I've learned as a parent. And I, and I tell parents, I want you to be encouraged in this, that God sovereignly chose you to be their parent. You are overwhelmed. You are exhausted. You don't know what to do. I've been there. But there is comfort in knowing that God sovereignly chose you to be that parent, which means he gives present grace. The problem, though, is that we have a tendency to act like owners than ambassadors. We have a natural struggle to see our self-worth in our children. We have a tendency to feel the shame of their bad decision instead of being grieved that their sin grieves God. We have a tendency to feel inconvenienced than spend time trying to search their heart for the root problem. And so in a bit of different way of ending class I'd like to read to you four pages of this book you know this is not normal for us but as I was reading it this week my heart was so encouraged because as a parent there's so much that we want for our children and likewise when something doesn't happen the way we want you feel the crushing defeat of I failed okay And so what I would love to give you is what he talks about four important mindsets of uh, of parenting. First, he talks about identity, where you look to find your sense of who you are. An owner. Owner parents tend to look to get their identity, meaning and purpose and inner sense of well-being from their children. Their children tend to be saddled with the unbearable burden of their parents' sense of self-worth. I have to say this, parenting is a miserable place to look for your identity. If for no other reason than the fact that every parent, parent centers. Children come into the world with significant brokenness inside of them that causes them to push against the authority, wisdom, and guidance of their parents. Parents who are looking to their children for identity tend to take their children's failures personally as if they were done wrong against them intentionally. And respond to their children with personal hurt and anger. But the reality is that God simply does not give you children in order for you to feel that your life is worthwhile. No different than your spouse. Okay. An ambassador parent with identity. Parents who approach parenting as representatives come to it with a deep sense of identity. And are motivated by meaning and purpose. They don't need to get that from their children because they have already gotten it from the one that they represent, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of this, they are free from coming to their children, hoping that they will get from them what no child is able to give. Just like it is unfair for us to assume our spouse or our job, whatever, will give us that sense of identity because that's not what God designed us for. They are freed from asking family life to give them life because They have found life, and their hearts are at at rest. Because of this, they are now freed to forget themselves and parent with the selflessness and sacrifice that ambassador parenting requires. Second, work. What you define as the work you have been called to do as an owner. Owner parents think that their job is to turn their children into something. And I'll be honest with you. That's probably one of my struggles as as a parent. They have a vision of what they want their children to be, and they think that their work as a parent is to use their authority, time, money, and energy to form their children into what they have conceived that they should be. Mm -hmm. I have counseled many children who were breaking under the burden of the constant pressure of parents who had a concrete vision and were determined that these children would be what these parents had decided they would be. Owner parents tend to think that they have the power and personal resources to mold their children into the children they envision. Almost like we are trying to live vicariously through our children, mm-hmm. and we are finding our identity and self-worth through our, our children's accomplishments because we didn't accomplish it when we were younger. Mm-hmm. An ambassador parent. Parents who really do understand that they are never anything more than the representative of someone greater, wiser, more powerful, and more gracious than they are, than they are know that their daily work is not to turn their children into anything. If you have parented for any amount of time, especially as your kids get older, you will realize you can't change a thing. Amen. You might think you did. You, <laughs> might, you might be able to make them do it when they're younger. But then when they are older, when they are bigger, when they are bolder, you will see. They have come to understand that they have no power whatsoever to change their children and that without God's wisdom, they wouldn't even know what is best for their children. They know what they know that what they have been called to be are simply instruments in the hand of one who is gloriously wise and the giver of grace that has the power to rescue and transform their children who have been entrusted to their care. They are not motivated by a vision of what they want their children to be, but by the potential of what grace Could cause their children to become success. What you define success to be an owner parent. These parents tend to be working toward a specific catalog of indicators in the lives of their children that would tell them if they were successful. Like Things like academic performance, athletic achievement, musical ability, and social likability become the horizontal markers of how well they have done their jobs. Now, these things are not unimportant, but they simply are unable to measure successful parenting. Good parents don't always produce good children, and parents should constantly be asking themselves where they get their set of values that tell them whether they have good kids or not. I'm afraid that many good parents live with long-term feelings of failure because their children have not turned out the way that they hoped. An ambassador parent. These parents have faced the scary truth that they have no power to produce anything in their children. Because of this, they haven't attached their definition of successful parenting to a catalog of horizontal outcomes. Successful parenting is not first about what you have produced. Rather, it's first about what you have done. Let me say it this way. Successful parenting is not about achieving goals that you have no spiritual power to produce because we know ultimately only Christ's spirit, God's Holy Spirit can give them a new heart, but about being a usable and faithful tool in the hand of the one who alone is able to produce good things for your children. Reputation. What, what tells people who you are and what you're about? An owner parent unwittingly turns their children into their trophies. They tend to want to be able to parade their children in public to the applause of the people around them. This is why so many parents struggle with the crazy phrases that their children go through when they grow up. I'm something different with my hair. I'm, I'm going to wear these clothes. I'm going to, you know, as parents, we just cringe. We're like, I hope this does not become permanent. Okay? Because if we're honest, a lot, we get our sense of identity from our kids. They're not so much concerned about what the craziness says about their children, but what it says about us as parents. Children in these homes feel both the burden of carrying their parents' reputation and the sting of their disappointment and embarrassment. Owner parents tend to be angry and disappointed with their children, not first because they've broken God's law, but because whatever they have done has brought hassle and embarrassment to them as parents an ambassador parent with reputation. These parents have come to understand that parenting centers will expose them to the public misunderstandings and embarrassments by other people. Somehow, in some way, someone's going to look at me and say, the kid did this, the kid did that, and we feel that our reputation has been tarnished. They have come to accept the humbling messiness of the job has called them to do. Parenting by far is the most difficult thing I have ever done and I'm continuing to do. In 40 years, almost 41 years, it is by far the most difficult thing. It is messy. It is humbling. It's humbling. It's also my sanctification. Very much so. And they understand that their children grow and mature in life and godliness they become not so much their trophies, but trophies of the Savior. It's my goal to have trophy children that people look at me and Joanna and say, wow, such great parents. If anything, by the grace of God. I asked my mom one time, how did all four of us turn out? You know, you know my, my older brother is an executive pastor. My second brother is a part-time pastor serving in Ohio. My sister's a Christian school teacher. I'm here. And I was expecting some really neat – she's like, grace – and i thought as a young parent that was such a cop-out and now that we are seasoned 16 and a half years i'm like you know what i understand i do as parents we should be more concerned about our children being trophies of grace of what god does in them despite us for them it's god who does the work and god who gets the glory they are just gratified that they were able to to be tools that God used along the way. And so that's, that's uh, Parenting by, by Paul Tripp, and that's just the introduction of the book. Um, and so um, as I read that this week, that was such an encouragement, such an encouragement to me. And so praying for one another because uh, life is hard and parenting sometimes seems even harder. <laughs> so um, uh, Sam.